principles for effective digital fundraising. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Dr. Luke Yin Lee. Dr. Lee is a research analyst with Asian Americans Advancing Justice. And we're also joined today by Nathan Han, longtime instructor for the fundraising school, an effective fundraiser in his own right. And uh, Nathan has created and teaches our courses for our certificate in digital fundraising. They have co-authored Chapter 24, Developing Digital Fundraising Strategies in the Fifth Edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising. And Lukia, let me start with you. You know, the, the chapter says at the very beginning, this is the fastest growing area of fundraising and the most quickly outdated. By the time this podcast is over, so much could have changed. And yet you really want to emphasize the importance of digital fundraising. Help our audience understand your perspective there, please. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, so that is a very real concern that with the ever-changing digital environment, the tools we are using today will no longer be valid tomorrow. Uh, but I just want to reminder, uh, remind our fundraising friends that the digital tool does not change the core, core of our fundraising principles. Uh, instead, it gives us more choices. Uh, in terms of the tools, the platforms, or the vehicles we can use. And Nathan, again, to emphasize Lukia's point there, you know, this can seem like a, a whole different world for so many folks, but one piece you guys emphasize is that there's so much consistency with standard fundraising practice. Can you share your perspective, please? Yeah, so I think it's, we need to remind ourselves it's still relationship-centered, right? We're still making uh, invitations to join to our mission, right? You know, on the other end of every email address, every Twitter handle, every TikTok account, Instagram account, et cetera, um, those are people, people looking, hopefully, uh, to make a difference in the world through your organization. And these are tools that we can use to better establish relationships between people and the organizations we represent. They are not to replace any particular uh, relationships. And yeah, so it can be so easy to think about this either or, like in-person is one thing and digital is another thing and digital is so different. But again, a first key takeaway here is the principles of digital fundraising are consistent with the practices of fundraising overall as we think about developing relationships with our potential donors and our current donors. And Luki, I know you, you have some big picture strategies that you want to share. What are some of those strategies fundraisers need to be thinking about in the digital world? So I'm not going to give you the specific strategies because they are in the book, but I can present some um, points that help our fundraisers to start thinking about that. So first, if you want to do a successful fundraising campaign, maybe you need to think about the digital tools out there that are available to your organization. I mean, some are free, some may require fees, so you, you can think about the budget you have. And also you need to think about your audiences or your prospect donors, right? What are their habits of using um, digital tools? So, uh, what kind of social media platforms they are on? So you need to know your um, audience or your constituencies better to pick the right digital tool to reach, to, reach out to them. And once you have the campaign message in place, you need to make it consistent across the different platforms. So some platforms like Twitter, it has a limit on the, the, the text you can send out and you need to consider that when you design your message. 
and also in some organizations, uh, social media, for instance, it, it is measured by communication department. So that requires some coordinated efforts to work with other teams to get the message out and to get the message out effectively. And in the era of social media, uh, you also need to think about if you have a good policy in place to facilitate the dialogue with your constituencies. So if there's any offensive comments you receive, do you have a policy in place to fill them out? Uh, that is not only about fundraising, that is also good PR, right? And the last but not least, you, you should have trained staff to do that because you want it sound and sustainable. So it's better to have an employee rather than temporary uh, volunteers to take care of your strategy. Uh, with the digital platforms. So many good strategic steps for us to consider and take there. And just like with fundraising, we just don't randomly go out into the culture, randomly go up to strangers, randomly ask for money. As we see from Lukia's response there, this is strategic. This is intentional. This is planning. Uh, this isn't just put up a website or a social media site and start cranking information out there. There's a lot of thoughtfulness that needs to go into this. And Nathan, I know one of the key points that you and Lucia make in the chapter is that this content needs to engender dialogue, not just monologue. We're not just sending information out. Can you help our audience understand the unique effectiveness of digital fundraising when we have that approach? Sure. So uh, liken it to a major gift conversation where the only the fundraiser does the talking right? That's not going to go very well. We're trying to really engage our audiences. So uh, we, in the chapter, speak a little bit to that idea of um, kind of the, the succession or the growth of your development of these tools. Um, it's one thing just to kind of blast one-way information, emails or um, social media posts that just talk about how great we are as an organization, and it just goes out and you hope people like it or agree, but you're not getting a lot of engagement. Right. Instead, um, we might challenge um, folks to ask more questions, right, to share worthy content, to be an active participant online. These are really communities that you're engaging into. You're walking in right to a cocktail lounge and people are having lots of different conversations and you're not just going to start announcing from the door who you are <laughs> that you've arrived. Right? You want to move from table to table and place to place and appropriately engage in different conversations that are already happening online. So we know um, from research and experience right, that the organizations that are truly present online and naturally, and prioritize right, spending some time um, in that uh, those spaces are going to do a lot better when it comes to engaging audiences, building community, and then raising funds um, from those audiences. And engagement is important in and of itself. It's honoring of each individual, honoring of our audience. It's helping uh, our audience become even more integrated into our important work as we share interests around that cause. But as Nathan teaches in the Certificate in Digital Fundraising courses, Engagement is also something we're watching for. Either somebody's not yet a donor, they're telling us they may want to become a donor. And if they're a donor already, they might be inviting us to invite them for a larger gift next time around, just as we used to measure, just showing up to our event, receiving the newsletter, and so forth. So engagement, two-way engagement, so important for so many different reasons. 
So, Lukia, one thing to think about is how digital fundraising accelerated during the COVID-19 pandemic. What lessons can we learn from what happened during the pandemic that can help us prepare to maximize digital fundraising for any and all crises that come our way? Sure. So I think uh, the pandemic helped people to realize how important digital fundraising can be. And sometimes it's the only choice because you cannot meet in person due to the social distancing policy. Uh, and it became more and more popular, especially for smaller nonprofits that has limited budget. So they were able to tap into the potential of their fundraising tool to help them reach their fundraising goals. And in the other way is uh, people still miss, they are still missing the in-person aspect of fundraising. They still want to meet with others. They want to, um, you know, have this personal touch. So during the pandemic, I observed that many fundraising messages online, they try to tap into that personal touch. They want to share the pictures of, uh, for example, a desperate mom who tried to help feed their kids. Uh, they want to make the connection, make them feel more related to the cause. And those are all good tactics. And I think even when we are back to a normal world, when there are more impersonal, you know, communications and interactions, those uh, tactics are still valid. That you still need to focus on the people because you don't you you want to build this relationship, right? You you don't just want money from them. You want their support. They, you want them to be related to your cause. And I think that is very important. And so being able to maximize digital fundraising during a time of crisis, knowing that this is now more widespread than ever before, it's crossing generations. Yes, we still have digital immigrants and digital natives, but it just seems everybody now is online and understands that world. But as Lukia just reminded us, we still need that personal touch, even when we are online or now hybrid, both online and in person. And Nathan, lastly, I know uh, again, the individual techniques strategies are outlined in the chapter. We want people to go there. But there's this big picture message of what digital fundraising means to demonstrate social proof. Can you help our audience understand that, please? Sure. So social proof is essentially the idea that uh, nobody likes to go first <laughs> and, right, and apply that to the digital sense. Uh, you see fundraising thermometers right all the time um, on Facebook and other social platforms and in our peer-to-peer -peer crowdfunding platforms. So the social proof concept has been used in fundraising for a long time, but more in capital campaigns around lead gifts. Rarely, if ever, do you see a large campaign announced with zero gifts yet or zero dollars towards our goal. Right? They usually announce at 50, 60, 70, even 80% of goal with the idea that it's kind of the snowball effect. It builds momentum and energy and those lead gifts not only are valuable for their own, the impact that they will make alone, um, but for the momentum and the social proof that this is a good cause, this is a good idea, a good effort, other people have gone first. So when we apply that to the digital side, um, we're encouraging you with your digital campaigns to quietly seed er those early campaigns, those early thermometers a little bit before you go public, right? So as your audience is scrolling through, if we see, a, you know, anybody sees a goal of $5,000 and there's 
two gifts so far of $10 each and you're related to both the donors. <laughs> it just doesn't really spur excitement, energy, momentum. We know that if you seed some of those gifts early and kind of blast or go wider with your messaging at 50% or the thermometer is over halfway full, it looks like it is more likely to be successful. And therefore people are more likely to lean in, donate, and sometimes donate more than they would have because they want to help you. They want to be that last gift, right? They want to be the gift that gets you over the finish line, as opposed to one of the really, really early ones when they're not sure if this is going to be a successful project yet. So leveraging that idea can help us go a long way um, in our digital fundraisers. And digital fundraising, digital exposure just allows us to maximize that as people see our followers, our likes, our shares, how we're interacting with others can help build momentum for our nonprofit organization overall, including for successful fundraising. Nathan Hand and Dr. Lukia Lee, co-authors of Chapter 24, Developing Digital Fundraising Strategies. This is an Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, and you can purchase a copy of this book through our website at philanthropy iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. And right now, everybody who attends our signature course, Principles and Techniques of Fundraising, receives a digital copy of the book as part of their participation in that course. And as we mentioned already, we also have the certificate in digital fundraising, three courses. They're all online. See what we did there? You have to be able to learn online to be able to use these digital strategies. Uh, and those are just examples of the more than two dozen courses that we have. We have four certificates. We have custom training that we can bring to you in person and online. We have quarterly webinars and, of course, these free podcasts. Again, that website, philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. And I would be remiss to not mention that Dr. Lee earned her doctoral degree from the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy where we have our master's degree, we have our doctoral degree, we also now have a professional doctoral degree, and that information is also on the website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. Our producers today are Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.